Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast, episode number 14. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Star Wars, also known as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Originally released in 1977, written and directed by George Lucas, starring Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford. At this point, I would normally give a spoiler warning, but honestly, if you've gone this long and you've remained spoiler-free on Star Wars, then you're doing better than we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure there's nothing we can spoil you for that the internet hasn't already. And um, just for those who care about such things, the version we watched is the Greedo Shot first version, so I'm going to go with the 1997 re-release. Um, so we're going from that version. Um, I'm not familiar with the original, but Katie is, and, well, I don't know, please direct your complaints to George Lucas, not us. <laughs> Anyway, um, I thought maybe a good starting place for this one is a little bit about each of our history with Star Wars. And I'll start with Katie because she has a longer history than me. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I started watching Star Wars. I, I watched the first three movies when I was a kid. I don't know how old I was when I first watched them because I can't remember. I was very young. It was one of those movies that my nana had that I used to watch all the time. Um, it's just sort of like part of my whole filmic experience you know what I mean like it's just something that's always there like I've always had have watched Star Wars since the beginning of time or something like that um I have always liked Star Wars I didn't know that not liking Star Wars was an option um my dad really likes Star Wars too um he he has uh, is known to compare every single sci-fi movie that has been made since Star Wars to Star Wars by saying that oh it's by saying, oh, it's just Star Wars, but with something or other. Um, <laughs> so that's sort of his point of view on basically sci-fi in general, um, which I think actually tells you a lot about what Star Wars is to people. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of, and it's so much part of my lexicon too. Like when I quote it, I just expect every single person to know exactly what I'm talking about because in my experience, everybody does, you know? Mm -hmm. Now I have kind of a different background to that. I am, and I've, as someone who's sort of, a geek. This is probably embarrassing to admit, but I did not see Star Wars until the re-release in 1997. Now, both Katie and I are born in the early to mid-80s, so we are not of the generation that saw this when it first came out at the movies. We're the generation that watched it on home video if we watched it at all. However, I did not watch it growing up until I was about 15. When the re-release came out, I went out and saw it and I was like, okay, yep, that's fine. And then I watched, I think I may have watched them once or twice, and then I watched the new movies. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I've always, um, I think I've always appreciated that um, the role this has in film history, that it's really important in terms of the modern blockbuster and modern sci-fi and all that kind of stuff. Although a lot of that I probably didn't appreciate until I sat down this time and rewatched it. Mm. So I'd always kind of been, I wasn't someone who didn't, didn't like Star Wars, but I was not really very well versed in it. Mm. I, like, um, I think we, when we were watching it, I remember feeling alienated among geeks at one point when people started talking about Boba Fett and I didn't know who that was. If I'd seen the movies, I just didn't know who that was. I didn't, hadn't watched them that closely. It must be how people feel sometimes when we start talking about Harry Potter and we talk about Mark Evans and they go, what on earth are you on about? Hmm. Yeah. Well, Boba Fett, to be fair, is such a nothing character. The obsession with him, sorry geeks, is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. He is like they're all talking about him being a badass, but he does nothing. And he just accidentally gets shot in the leg by Harrison Ford in the by Han Solo in the third movie and then gets eaten by the 
Salak pit Good. monster. And like he, all he does is sort of stand around and not talk very much. Good. And I'm look cool so in his I, armor. That's, it wasn't wasn't just me. No, no. This yeah. is like this this one of those obsessions that just sort of built up around it. Mm. Like I think I think one of the reasons why Star Wars was so huge is because it's the first world that people could really sink their teeth into that way, or one mm-hmm. of the first ones. Um, it's certainly the sort of the progenitor of our modern sci-fi, basically. Yeah. Like, um, but it's also it it became a phenomenon. There were toys and games and books and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff, um, and so. It, it's just it's fandom yeah um but it was sort of the only one around so it was the one that everybody was in yeah, um, it, and... it was it was mainstream fandom it, yeah because there was already uh people into trek and um around the same time i have tolkien was also very big yeah but that was a very but much niche a... thing this is more yeah broad um it's also those are um star trek is great but very um it's not as accessible to everybody absolutely um and Tolkien is sort of the same, but also that's fantasy, mm-hmm. um, which is a slightly different issue. I think this was sort of um, – but, th- but the other th- great thing that Star Wars did, of course, is that it brought all of the ancient sort of mythology stuff um, into sci-fi, into the modern world, mm-hmm. into our modern, I suppose um, – our modern mythology mm. kind of a thing. So this is this is the mythology of like ancient wizards and the orphan kid who, you know, who yeah. um grows up and has a special destiny and and uh his friend and all that sort of thing. That's and the princess and, and the mm-hmm. all that sort of thing that, that's been brought into the mythology of of nineteen seventy seven. Like sci fi was sort of um had been around for a while, but this this is like for the modern era, that's the mythology. That's yeah. the fantasy kind and, of world. And this is a yeah. And and so um, in my head, of course, this has been tied up in its own mythology. And I, I'd kind of gotten in my head, Star Wars had become associated with Disney and toys and the terrible prequels. Well, we don't we don't talk about we don't, those. Yeah. Anyway, we don't so, we don't need to talk so about those. In my head now. Yes, I'm getting I'm getting to the point, honestly, that this is an episode where I'm talking more and it's very weird for us. Anyway, so I'm getting to the point, which is that um, we didn't actually – we didn't watch anything other than Star Wars. And this, to me, was a little bit of a revelation. I had sort of never sat down and watched it – well, I had, but I hadn't really sat down and watched it and reviewed it on its merits. And I have to say I was, I was quite surprised at how good it is and how well it stands up on just on its own. Mm. It's got this great script that is eminently quotable and it's also really, like you say, really perfectly structured around mm. a hero's journey. There's a very clear act one, act two, act three. Um, the whole thing is a lot of fun. The, you know, our, our princess is a total badass and really awesome. Our hero starts out as a whiny little brat and ends up saving the world and our anti-hero – comes in and is all arrogant and whatever, but then in the end comes around and fights on the side of good. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's really – it's the most classic, simple of stories, but it was really something new and done in a new way. And, again, I really appreciate that. I'm just not sure I'm ever going to be a super fan that a lot of people I know are. The the movie is sheer elegance in its simplicity. That's what it is. It is so simple. Yes. Like all the four stuff, but a lot of the things that we know about it were clearly made up after this movie. Um, like, I'm sorry, but like the, Luke and Leia being Luke brother and, and sister. I know, yeah. That's a really obvious one that, that mm-hmm. they obviously made up after the movie. Um, there's a lot of stuff that clearly they didn't 
have going into this. This was just like um, very much one straightforward, self-contained story. And don't get me wrong, I love the um, the other two of the first movies. I even love Return of the Jedi with all the Ewoks. Oh, I love but, it too. But, you know, I was a little kid when I first saw it. So mm. it part of the downfall of George Lucas is the – way that the movies turn into kids' movies. And you can kind of see that with the the update, yeah. the remastering of the movie where they put in all these Ugh. stupid CG moments that are just little kitty humour. And they stick out like sore thumbs as well. Mm. They all it, it's it's really, really obvious which bits have been shoehorned in at a later date. And funnily enough, the one scene that we know was shoehorned in, the one with um Han Solo talking to um Jabba the Hutt, mm. funnily enough, that's where I started checking Twitter. I didn't I um I wasn't on the unlike normal I wasn't sitting on the laptop I wasn't checking my phone I was actually paying attention because I really I actually I want to like Star Wars and I want to get into it I'm just I've just sort of you know it's just never pulled me pulled at me emotionally and my theory has, is always that I didn't see it as a small child mm. and I think that if you see it as a kid it means something different to you how although that's obviously there are people who come to the fandom as adults and I shouldn't make such a sweeping generalization but yeah the shoehorned in scene, that was where I got bored, funnily well, enough. That, that scene was shot for the original movie. They yes. just couldn't – they didn't have the ability to make it look good good enough to to sort mm. of release. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it it was a good cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really silly scene and, and just talking about Jab is fine. Yeah. You don't really need to see him in that movie. Um, you, you just need to get the idea that Han Solo is in some kind of peril. You don't really yeah. need to know the exact no. nature of the peril. Exactly. Um, and and I think even and with that edited out, it's actually – it's one of the tightest action scripts I've seen. You really don't have um, lulls or yeah. if there is a lull – there's something else going on that's intercut with it, which I think is very clever. Mm. There's no, there is no chance to get bored. There's no chance to kind of get, yeah, you know, yeah. There's the characters don't ever really get comfortable, and you don't get comfortable, and it just keeps going. Really runs yeah. along smoothly. Um, yeah, you also talked about Leia. Um, I, I just, I love Leia. She's such a cool she, this, action this princess. Fantastic. Um, she is like because she's a princess, and she um is sort of valued by people and mm -hmm. but she she's just so tough like she gets tortured for information and doesn't give it up mm. they're gonna blow up her planet for information that she doesn't give up um she is just and then she gets put in jail and she saves everybody's butts um luke comes in you know oh i'm luke skywalker i'm here to save you and then she saves all three she's of them. heading up the rebellion she leads she, the yeah, strategy too. yeah sorry it's yeah. okay but it's 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 she's not the head of the rebellion but she's definitely in a really important part and yes. she is a leader mm -hmm. people look up to her and not just as like a princess but as a real strategist like yeah you said. and she seems to always be the smartest person in any situation mm. and i don't mean necessarily like i mean like a str yeah, strategist and not not necessarily just you know book smart or anything yeah she she really does always seem to to know what's going and she's just great and mm. i think when you take it as a self-contained movie it's almost even better than the whole world that's built up around it as much as the um you know empire strikes back and and return of the jedi are still awesome movies yeah, um, it is popular to – I mean, the popular thought is that Empire Strikes Back is the best of the movies. I, yeah. I, I get this feeling it's maybe because it's the darkest or something mm. or it has more emotional themes in it, but I still think Star Wars, the original Star Wars, is the best of the movies Yeah, because this is – it is simple. It is straightforward, and it is great. Yeah, and it has good, good characters. It's like, a total like it's a total masterclass in filmmaking, right? It's just 
perfectly, yeah, elegant simplicity, I think, as you said before. It is. It's elegance but it's it's like it relies on the strength of its actors as well yes. um and especially actors like alec guinness is he great is and this was another thing we both noticed in this his performance in this is just fantastic yeah even though as you um apparently he didn't like the film very much or oh he hated it i mean he he apparently he got them to double his fee he did it for the money he talked about how terrible the script was and how it was just a fairy tale in space he hated the banality of the lines mm. um he hated it and he called- he gets a, he gets some of the i mean he's doesn't he's not c3po who gets all the best lines but he gets some of the better lines anyway he he called harrison ford tennyson ford in a letter to somebody <laughs> in his autobiography that he called him Tennyson, which oh, I thought was hilarious. But he wow. didn't even he, – he just wasn't, like, interested. Although, you know, not one for phoning it in. He did a good job. He did a fantastic job. Yeah. I think this is um kind of funny because what I was – when I looked at him, I was reminded of – um one of the first times I ever really noticed good screen acting was when I saw Ian McKellen do Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Without this sort of template that Star Wars set up of bringing in the – uh, esteemed British actor to kind of class up the joint. You'd never have, you know, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart doing all the fun genre stuff mm. they've done in their careers. But it reminded me of that because, um, yeah, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring is where the first time where I really watched an actor on screen and saw just how nuanced and subtle good screen acting was. Mm. And I kind of got the same vibe off of Alec Guinness and um, I just really liked it. And it just got me thinking about how many things – in this movie are just templates for other things. 3PO and R2 are like the basis for all bromances ever since. You know that um, actually I think that's not really true. I think the um, template for bromance is that they don't like each other at the beginning and then they end up liking each other. Yeah, that's, that's usually – but they don't – But yeah, they, they have more of a love-hate relationship right from the start though. Like mm. they from the beginning, because you know, right at the beginning, you've got C three PO following R two D two into even the though, yeah, yeah exactly um, into the um, shuttle, even though he's like uh, grumbling about it. So I think mm-hmm. that's just sort of. But they were based on a Japanese movie, um, and it's called Hidden Fortress, I think. Okay. Um, and there's a comedy duo in that that C three PO and R two D two were based on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually quite apparently quite a bit of that. Um, it it. Um, one of the ideas for Star Wars was the idea of what about a story told from, like told in space, but with kind of from their point of view, those characters' point of view, oh. um, which is one of the ideas that they had for the that George Lucas had for the movie. I think um, I'm pretty sure that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen the Japanese movie. I've seen a lot of Japanese movies, but not that one. Um, but that's one of the stories mm. about Star Wars, you but- know. Yes. Okay, interesting. And I, but I still find that that kind of – it's um, the kind of stuff we see done again and again mm, and again, yeah. you know, the, the odd couple kind of relationship because it just – even as side characters works, in fact, perhaps best as side characters. It just works yeah. really really well as a, like, as a part of the main story and also a, a distraction. And, I yeah, and I think this, this time through having, you know, had a lot more – movie watching experience I was I was able to see a lot of that stuff like mm. I, I picked up that kind of stuff I picked up um s- certain um bits of directorial flair that he has like he's um he and his his uh BFF Steven Spielberg have this thing where they t- wait as long as possible before they introduce a character 
character's face. Hmm. So um, I'm, I'm making hand gestures, which is totally useful in a podcast. Anyway, but he, so he has this thing where he doesn't introduce characters by their face. So you first, in this one, he does it for Leia. He does it for, uh, I think we see Han, we don't see Han Solo immediately. We, and also for Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan and Leia have almost an identical kind of introduction where they lift their hood up and you finally see them, but you sort of see them from a distance for a while or from Mm. behind. You've got sort of little, little flares that have become almost cliches, but are of course kind of invented Mm. in this. Yeah, there are those things. And also the swipes. The the swipe edits. So, like, that's the thing. In some ways, it is really dated, but in other ways, it still looks really good. It does. There's so many things about it. Like, the model work is unparalleled. Mm, Um, Oh, the creatures. I hadn't even got to that. The creatures are great. I mean, C-3PO and R2-D2 still look like real robots, even though Mm. they're awkward suits. Um, They they just look, they look terrific. The sets are great. Um, I know it's really dated, but there's still a lot of things about it. There's a reason why everything from it is so iconic and that's because it's it is really kind of that mix of futuristic and or like space sort of thing and like and historic like they sort of try and put those Mm. two things together which is a really interesting way of doing things set a long time ago in a galaxy far far away yeah and and uh the way the death star is just you know the way the very simple design of the death star but it's so iconic and that sort of thing Mm. because it's just um they they put a lot of work into all of that sort of stuff, mm. and you can tell. Are you uh, there are a lot of things that you meant to be able that you can see almost in silhouette, and they you know immediately what they are: mm. Millennium Falcon, C three PO, R two D two, the Death Star, yeah, a lightsaber. You know what that looks like in silhouette without even having to see the whole picture. I think that's mm. very. Mm, it is. It's a really clever design and fun. And he and this is why these um the later CGI actually really sticks out a lot. Because the 1977 film looks really good. Yeah. And it's done really well. It's done cleverly. Um, I don't know why he ever messed with it, but it was great. It was a, because it's original. George Lucas and that's one of his other downfalls is never being able to leave his classics alone. Mm. Um, the other things I love about it, amazing um, John Williams score. Mm-hmm. That is also iconic from like most of the scenes. The music is iconic. Like the Darth Vader music is iconic. The Cantina music, um, yeah. the hero music, like the Leia theme, you know, all of it is, is so terrific. Um, there's, um, and the, the quotes, I mean, the t- dialogue is kind of hokey and old fashioned, but it kind of works as well because you wouldn't listening to modern language in that wouldn't work anyway. And, and I think, um, a lot of it comes through in the delivery anyway, like Luke Skywalker walking into Leia's prison cell. Hi, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. It's hilarious because of the quite simple dramatic irony, but it's quite clear that she's going to be the one who helps him get out of this anyway because he and Han are completely <laughs> up a creek. I know. Um, one of the ones that I really love is an Alec Guinness one about um, Moss Eisley when he goes, you have never seen a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah, yeah. And it's so kind of over the top and dramatic and hilarious and I love it. Yeah, I know. It's great. And they're always kind of delivered with kind of a deadpan voice while the while the action or whatever's going on provides a dramatic irony for the co- yeah. contrast to it. And you've always got Harrison Ford wandering around looking hot. Yeah, he's um that doesn't hurt. Oh, it's I yeah. That's one of the things that every time I watch it I'm just like, "Oh, he's so hot then." 
It, I mean, he just those in Harris and and Indiana Jones. That's like formative years for me in terms of you know finding men attractive was, <laughs> was just Harrison Ford when I was a kid, and just like oh wow, he's so pretty. Life as must Solo. have been disappointing after that. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Uh, oh, I wow. also did have a really big crush on Marty McFly. You have excellent taste in men. I I totally approve <laughs> of these crushes. Yeah, yeah. Marty McFly and and Han, and Han Solo and Indiana Jones were and sort of Donald O'Connor and Donald O'Connor, yeah, definitely Donald O'Connor. <laughs> but yeah, he's it's. Um, I like how how they have that sort of sexy anti-hero guy, and you've got him um, being a grump around the place, and and also one of the things I really like is the um, invert. Um, Inverted expectations, no, subverted, subversion of expectations with him and Leia. Yeah. Um, where, like, he thinks that he's the smart one. He thinks that he's, like, you know, he's the guy, so he's the better one, and she's the one getting them out of everything, and she's the one shooting up the bad guys mm -hmm. and stuff while he's fumbling around. It's terrific. Yeah, it is. It's really great. And I'm, yeah, I mean, we, it's the kind of stuff we see all the time in modern sci-fi and um, modern movies, but, yeah, I, I don't think that was a thing before this came out. I think it was, but uh, it's, it kind of harks back to the screwball comedies, actually. Yes. Um, like um, Nick and Nora, or um, which you haven't seen. Nick you and Nora's Infinite Playlist? No. <laughs> I've seen that. No, um, the Thin Man movies, which oh. I think I've told you about before, but the original Nick and Nora from the 30s, who are this amazing married couple, um, or, um, yeah, um, Catherine Hepburn, or, I've um, seen um, what, yeah, we watched what, one the, together, the like His Girl Friday. One. Bring Up Baby. Oh, Bring Up Baby. Yeah. yeah, His Girl Friday, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. We have watched one of, one or two of those together. But of, and, of course, you, you do bring up an excellent point. And, and so, once more, Star Wars proves that it is far more clever than you might think it is. It's just one of these things, and we, we, we talk about this quite often, that sometimes the biggest challenge is in fact to tell a story simply and make it appeal to the broadest number of people mm. and to do it well. Probably having been, you know, too cool for it all for for so long, I might not have necessarily appreciated it until I came to rewatching it for the podcast, <laughs> which is probably why you got me to watch it, huh? I just, I, I can't understand not liking, like I can understand not liking the whole thing about Star Wars, the excessive expansive universe that has been created around Star Wars. There are some great ideas in there, um, but it it's so overblown in a lot of ways, you know, um, and yeah. it it's so big. Um, and the thing is, you just got to boil it down to there was one movie that mm -hmm. came out in 1977 and a great big spaceship passed over like the top of the screen and people felt like it was passing over their heads and this started something in people. It, it sparked something in people that became a really big deal mm -hmm. and that's sort of where it where yeah. this comes from and when you're a little kid watching it I think you get the same feeling you know mm -hmm. and I'm sure this is true while I've been thinking about this movie this is one of these things that makes me glad that you Katie are not into religion of any kind because you would be the street you'd be the person out on the street preaching to people you'd be like come to Jesus because this is what she's like when it comes to her favorite things she's like I can't understand how you don't love it as much as I do yeah, I'm um, just thinking about um, the 
I was talking about my dad before, yeah, um, and liking Star Wars and stuff, mm. and uh, how he always talks about all the other sci-fi Nothing in terms of Star, Star Wars. Wars. So I got him to watch Firefly and Serenity, uh-huh. and uh, he said Serenity was just like Star Wars, um, which actually, well, I it think that's is a compliment because, because Serenity is kind of like if Han Solo had his own story, yes, but it was cooler, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was more, but it was less. You know that mythology stuff, and more um, the war and the the you know harder, grittier stuff. Yeah, but it kind of is. It's almost it's like basically like Star if you Trek took the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Who took the Millennium Falcon off on its own journey, and and Mal is kind of very much like Han Solo, and he, I in agree. fact, Nathan Fillion talks about how he took a lot of cues from Harrison Ford mm-hmm. in terms of his performance. But um, my dad really liked Firefly. There you I go. got him to watch it all and he, I heard him sort of giggling to himself while he was watching it. And then after the – he kept watching it every night, you know. So, got really so into clearly it. your dad's into space westerns. Yes. Well, this is <laughs> – Star Wars is really more of a space opera. Um, okay, yep. I'll like pa- the I'll real, I think the only Western sort of thing in Star Wars is Han Solo mm-hmm. as the gunslinger, the cowboy. That's the modern, more modern element of like American mythology they brought in there. Yeah. But the other things hark back more to like um, Merlin. Yeah, um, like and, and the well, obvi- and things like um and King Arthur. Well, I mean Darth Vader thing. and his army. That that's Wagnerian, like yeah, a big army headed by a strong leader and. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of different elements in there, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like that's less of a a space western and more of a space opera. Mm. Yeah. So I think we've we've talked a lot about Star Wars. Um, I don't know if there's anyone left in the world who hasn't watched it at some point. But I'm sure there are people. There's always somebody who you talk to and they go, I haven't watched such and such a thing. And you're like, how? How have you – is there a big rock that you've been living under your entire life that you haven't mm. managed to see Star Wars? Yes. But there's always someone. There is always someone. So coming coming around then to, to my sort of little review of it, it would be to say it's worth revisiting, mm. um, especially if you think you're a fan of pop culture because without Star Wars, there's no Malcolm Reynolds, there's no Harry Potter, there's no Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's no Alien, there's no Battlestar Galactica, there's no modern reboots of Star Trek, there's no basically anything awesome in nerd culture and no mainstream nerd culture. So I think as a movie on its own, it's really good and it's probably worth revisiting and I think the important bit is that you think about it as a movie on its own and stop where and sort of try, you have to really try and put the George Lucas tinkering and the bad later films sorry earlier prequel bad prequels out of your head and kind of just go with it that whole thing with the episodes and stuff drives me crazy mm-hmm. um it, I even, but I knew they were called episode five, four, five, and six back in the day. Because no, they were not renamed them. until the sequel. The 1977 one apparently wasn't renamed until the no, sequel. No, I know. Came out. I meant yeah. back in the, uh, they were named that. Oh, before the re release. Once, once the sequels came out. Before the re release. Before they created one, two, and three, they were called four, five, and six. Yes. Before. Empire Strikes Back came out, Star Wars was called Star Wars. The movie was called Star Wars, mm-hmm. not Star Wars something. And that's something. what we're going to be titling this podcast. Yeah. Um, but because that's one of the things that gets my goat. It's like when people call India when when people call Raiders of the Lost Ark Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark and you're like, it's not the title. <laughs> Even though they've changed it. It just seems still seems odd to me. Um but yeah, my review of Star Wars is but it's Star Wars. That's it. Well, that, that's pretty good. And um, I, I probably don't need to ask, but how many stars? Five. No, I think I'm going to stick with my initial instinct to give it four stars. 
Okay. Which is, you know, not perfect, but I love it. I love it. Like it. Hmm. Who knows? Anyway, thank you very much for listening to Silver Screen Queens, episode four, A New Hope. No, that's not strictly true. It's episode 14. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to hear anything more about the podcast or anything we've talked about or look at our show notes, you can do that at our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to get in touch with us, the easiest way to do that is to either like us on Facebook and shoot us a message or follow us on Twitter and chat to us there. Our Twitter handle is at screen underscore queens. If you want to read Katie's review of anything really, but not Star Wars because I don't think she's going to write that one up, No. go visit her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening and good night. Thank you. Bye.